With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Are you getting ready for the PMP exam and wondering where on earth to start? Well, don't feel alone. Go on down to pmsucceed.com. This is where we help PMs to succeed on the PMP exam. You can sign up for one-on-one coaching and mentoring, or you can sign up for an on-demand training course. It will take you through all the steps from start to finish. Go on down to pmsucceed.com. Let's get started with today's show. Hello, my awesome project managers. Welcome, welcome to the PMP Exam Radio Show. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you once again today. Last time we met, we talked about the PMP Exam Mindset, and I gave you a hyper brain dump of Agile, Predictive, and the PMP Exam Content Outline. Before that, we talked about Agile with a Scrum Stroke Agile Pub Quiz. Well, today, we're going to continue that discussion about the world of Agile. And we're going to focus on Scrum. We're going to go through the 353 of Scrum in the weeks ahead. But we're going to start off talking about Agile and then Scrum. So I'm going to give you the skinny of Agile. What is Agile? First and foremost, Agile is a way of thinking. It's a mindset. It's a view, an approach to how you tackle problems, how you see endeavors you're working on, and how you adapt to the enterprise environmental factors around you. That's really what Agile is. Now, when you think Agile, you've got to support your thinking with certain actions, practices, behaviors. These are typically called Agile practices You will also hear these Agile practices being bucketized into methodologies. And you'll also hear these being bucketized into things like frameworks. So we have Agile principles and values which drive your behavior. These are talked about in the Agile Manifesto. Go on down to agilemanifesto.org. Read these up to understand how to view the world of Agile. I've actually covered these in previous episodes, but the bottom line is this. Let me give you the summary. It's all about the customer in Agile. You are obsessed with customer outcome. You are obsessed with customer value. You are obsessed with human interaction on the customer level and at the team level. And you are obsessed with excellence. Technically, excellence in terms of sound design principles. That's the summary of Agile. Now, when you understand the values and the principles, we got to talk about some of the frameworks, some of the methods in which we find the practices. Get it? 
Get it? So principles, most important. The values and the principles. And then you begin talking about some of the practices without putting them into buckets. And then you look at specific buckets to see, okay, this set of practices done in this way is called a framework known as Scrum. These set of practices done in this way is known as XP. This set of practices and ideas is Kanban. This set of practices, you know what I mean? On and on like that. Good. So we're talking about Scrum today because out of the organizations that use Agile, 70% thereabouts say they use Scrum. You got it. So we're going to talk about Scrum. What exactly is Scrum? Scrum is a lightweight framework that helps people, teams, and organizations generate value through adaptive solutions for complex problems. Anchor those words. Adaptive solutions for complex problems. Why does Scrum thrive? Because it's a framework. And the framework means you are free to adapt the framework to meet those outcomes you're seeking to. That's why when you see teams using Scrum, some of them use stuff that is not even in the Scrum Guide. Some may use burn-up charts, burn-down charts. Some may use a Kanban board to drive work. Now, those aren't mentioned in the Scrum Guide, but you see what I mean when I say it's a framework? Now, the difference between a framework and a method or methodology, a methodology is pretty set in stone and it's quite rigid. Comparing that to a framework, which is more flexible. A methodology has a pretty systematic approach to solving the problem step by step. A framework on the other side is loose and it provides enough room for other things, other processes, other practices to be included, of course, with good taste. You know, a lot of companies who use Scrum, they use Jira. There's no mention of Jira or Trillo in the Scrum Guide. You get what I mean? So there's room for the interpretation of flexibility. Right? Some people are scrum purists. They will not add anything to it. They will do everything manual. But if you don't want to do that, you can. You can adjust it. One of the things about scrum is it's a container for you to put other things in. The only thing that we don't want you to do in scrum <laughs> is to remove the skeleton. The scrum skeleton is the 353. Keep the 353 intact and keep the tenets of Agile, the values and the principles intact and you'll be good. Okay, you know, both Jeff and Ken, the co-creators of Scrum, were co-signators of the Agile Manifesto. So, if you're deviating from basic Agile, think Agile values, Agile principles, you're deviating from the 353, you're not doing it right. Okay? So we're going to talk about the 353 in more detail in the weeks ahead. And we're going to start off with, like I said, a basic Scrum definition. So Scrum, again, is a lightweight framework that helps people, teams, and organizations generate value through adaptive solutions for complex problems. In a nutshell, Scrum requires a Scrum master 
to foster an environment. In other words, to promote the environment, a healthy environment, to be responsible in some way as a coach, right? To facilitate that healthy environment of collaboration and so on. But in addition to that, the Scrum Master should foster an environment where a product owner orders the work for a complex problem into what we call a product backlog. A product backlog is pretty much just a list or a repository of customer requests. When I say customer requests, some of these requests could be absolute must-dos like requirements, and others could just be nice-to-haves, not necessarily requirements, right? The Scrum team turns a selection of the work into an increment of value during the sprint. The Scrum team and its stakeholders inspect the results and adjust for the next sprint. And then you repeat. And that sounds simple. It's just three things. One, Scrum owner orders work for a complex problem into a product backlog. Two, the Scrum team works on that selection of work and converts it into an increment. And three, the Scrum team and its stakeholders inspect the results. Repeat, right? Inspect the results and adjust. And when we say Scrum team inspects the results and adjusts, we could be talking about the sprint review or the sprint retrospective. When we talk about stakeholders inspecting the results and adjusting, we're talking about sprint review, where they come in. And this could happen anywhere along. We could have business people and developers working together daily, not only in sprint reviews and not only as people invited to a daily Scrum. There's meant to be a constant interaction. This is where the framework mindset comes in. We're not being rigid and saying there's, there can only be five ceremonies. No, many teams, they do other things right? that are complementary. Backlog refinement is the unspoken sixth ceremony, if you will. It's something people do. But Scrum is very simple. And you are encouraged to try it as is and determine if its philosophy, theory, and structure help. In other words, don't dilute it. Don't add to it at first. Just use it bare bones. See how it works for you. And when you understand Scrum in its pure form, and you understand the agile values and the principles, you'll know when you're doing wrong or when you're doing right. You'll know when you're overkilling, right? Because in agile, we tend to tailor up. We don't tailor down because agile is, for the most part, the practices of it are pretty bare bones. So we find some teams bringing in stuff from the predictive world, which is okay. You know, for example, a team may want to use a risk register and that's okay, but we need to be careful about going overboard because you know, once the, once the sprint is done, that's it. So there's no point spending hours and hours and hours on stuff that you're going to be one and done with it when the sprint is over. So Scrum is built upon by the collective intelligence of the people using it. Rather than provide people with detailed instructions, the rules of Scrum guide their relationships and interactions. So there's flexibility. That's why it's a framework. Various processes, techniques, and methods can be employed within the framework. Scrum wraps around existing practices or renders them unnecessary. Like I said, there's a need to understand the nuts and bolts of Scrum before adding other things. Because a lot of times, 
you find that some of the other meetings and some of the other tools and methods that you may have been using are no longer needed because you're doing work in iterations and increments and in bite-sized chunks. So Scrum Theory is founded on empiricism and lean thinking. Use real data. Do the barest amount needed. Be lean and mean. Empiricism asserts that knowledge comes from experience and making decisions based on what is observed. Lean thinking reduces waste and focuses on the essentials. Those two things, reality, being pragmatic, and being lean. Scrum employs an iterative incremental approach to optimize predictability and to control risk. What do we mean? We do things in iterations. We repeat them until they are right. We will not accept what is not right. We will not cut corners in our quality and in our excellence, technically, in our design. We should also think about the incremental release of artifacts, which we call the PSI, or the increment, if you will. PSI means potentially shippable increment. Scrum engages groups of people who collectively have all the skills and expertise to do the work and share or acquire such skills as needed. So we talk about teams being of a T-shaped profile or a broken cone profile or paint drip profile. And that just means we have team members with broad skills but deep specialisms. You might have someone with broad set of skills but only one specialism that's really deep. You could have other people with very deep specialisms across two or three areas and maybe mid, you know, intermediate specialisms in a few others. So we don't just think about people as T-shaped alone. Some people could be broken cone profile. And that's the idea. Scrum combines four formal events for inspection and adaptation with a containing event we call the sprint. So we have the sprint that is the containing event, and we have these four other events. We have sprint planning, daily scrum, sprint review, and the sprint retrospective. Another really big thing in the world of scrum is transparency. Transparency enables inspection, and inspection without transparency is misleading and wasteful. So we want to be as transparent as possible in our use of scrum. Artifacts that have low transparency can lead to decisions that diminish value and increase risk. To make it really pragmatic, a team using a storyboard such as a Kanban board where we see where the stories are at, how they're moving, who's doing what, you know, what is close to the end zone, that's transparency. And it helps us, not only in inspecting a deliverable, it helps us in inspecting the process to be introspective and to use this idea of improvement throughout. When we talk about inspection, the scrum artifacts and the progress towards agreed goals must be inspected frequently. So we could also inspect our artifacts. You know, when we talk about the product backlog, the sprint backlog, these are not things that we just look at once. It's what we look at all throughout the sprint, what we look at all throughout the endeavor as long as it takes. Inspection enables adaptation. Inspection without adaptation is considered pointless. So the idea as we go through our artifacts in Scrum is to get better, right? 
The last thing we'll talk about today is adaptation. If any aspects of a process deviate outside acceptable limits, or if the resulting product is unacceptable, the process being applied or the materials being produced must be adjusted. You know, we talk about plan, do, check. Well, the act is important. So we talk about plan, do, check, act. Check is like inspection. Act is like adaptation. And the adjustment must be made as soon as possible to minimize further deviation. Adaptation becomes more difficult when the people involved are not empowered. Watch this. Or self-managing. In Scrum, we talk about a self-organizing team, but it's also a self-managed team. A Scrum team is expected to adapt the moment it learns anything new through inspection. I hope this helps you in your PMP journey to better understand Scrum. Remember, it's just the beginning of further dialogue about this topic. See you in the next episode.